Algar Productions. Welcome to the Death of Podcasts. I'm Al, and this is Amanda. Hello. And we're making our way through Terry Pratchett's Discworld series one book at a time. This month, we're discussing barely a book, book nine, Eric. Yeah, does this one book at a time... Well, we say one book a month. What we're actually going to do, we discussed this last mm-hmm. time, is uh, this month, July, you're actually getting two. You will actually get Eric, which is only 150 pages, and we will also do book 10, Moving Pictures, which, spoiler, we don't remember liking, but we'll get to that. You're going to listen to us dislike two books. In one month, but Hooray. then you get it out of the way, so that's something. <laughs> Plus, you may disagree with us and, I don't know, write to us if you can figure out how to do that. Tell us why we're wrong. We probably won't care. That doesn't sound like something that I want to hear. No, yeah, no, I take that back. Spirited discourse, no thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was trying to, my brain's desperately trying to find a pun between Discworld and Discourse. Mm-hmm. It feels like there must be something, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't wasn't quite going. We're also recording a little later than usual because there's so little going on in Eric. We both figured it's going to slip right out of our brains. We literally read this book in a day. Amanda got home from work a little earlier than usual, and we're like, you know what? You're home early enough. We can just like listen to the audiobook together at the same time, mm-hmm. take notes, and record a show all in the same evening, which which is what we've done. The spirits did it all in one night. <laughs> it's it's such a forgettable book. We've both read it before. We've we've read all of these books. But I was starting to think, God, did I not read this one? It's so small, it's possible you just missed it somehow. But I was listening to it, and I'm like, oh no, I remember this. Yeah, there's bits. I remember li- not yeah. liking this, yeah, like, but, ten years ago. But the thing is, we could barely remember anything about it. I remembered not particularly caring. It's a Rincewind book, so yeah. it's like, okay, well, it's not one of my favorites. Um, but the fact that we forgot it is like, okay, maybe we need to record this while it's fresh in our heads and we're still thinking about it. I'm going to forget about this again. That's why I take notes, because I will forget otherwise. Also, there is an illustrated version of Mm -hmm. this book that we have in front of us, although the illustrate, well, we'll talk about those. First, why don't you tell us what happens, such as it is, in Eric? Okie dokie. Eric, a teenage demonologist, accidentally summons Rincewind from the dungeon dimensions where he was stranded post-sorcery. Eric makes three wishes, which Rincewind is forced to grant. It all goes badly, but everyone ends up reasonably happy at the end. Yeah, that's, that's, that's about, about it. it. You could have saved us 149 yeah. pages. <laughs> there, a friend of ours, Gav, describes things as unrelentingly fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's he just used that phrase recently. As a yeah. matter of fact, that's a, that's a good point. Yep. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, it. I'm this. I'm just gonna launch into my bad thing, mm-hmm. which is this is just the color of magic and light, fantastic all over again. It's Rincewind based. It's mm-hmm. him running from one fantasy situation Mm -hmm. to a completely other unrelated fantasy situation with a bunch of gags hung on it yeah and some of the gags are better than others yeah but this wasn't as good as light fantastic light fantastic was all right i think this was about the same Uh, light fantastic was a little funnier and Mm. i felt like i got into rincewind's head more which I enjoy. There's definitely no character here for anyone. No. Like, there are some interesting people we meet along mm-hmm. the way, but there's no real... Like, after we have now met Granny Weatherwax mm-hmm. and Sam Vimes, mm-hmm. it's like, these are these are not characters. These are nothing. Who are these people? I knew Carrot better mm-hmm. than I knew any of these people. I knew fucking Nobby better than mm-hmm. I knew any of these people. Also, or Magrat, or, you know. There was one woman in the book, yeah. only one, and the joke was she's not as hot as we thought she was. Yes, thanks. Great. Yeah. And she appeared 
well past the halfway point of the book yeah. and she showed up for about seven or eight pages and had about three lines now it's eric, my only line eric is a 13 year old boy and like a 13 year old mm. boy he is horny as hell which is not even a bad riff for a character i don't know the the problem isn't so well part of the problem is the writing but part of the problem is the cultural shift now oh, where these sort of sex starved nerd types used to be kind of thought of as harmless well, uh yeah and I get now it's like oh no yeah now it oh. now it has that whole incel whiff about no. it you're not wrong but but i take it in the spirit in which it was written mm-hmm. which was like what 1990 ish or mm-hmm. something like that like those people were still like that it's not like that suddenly came into existence no, but, but we're way more aware of it now. yeah yeah and i think he was just and he was making some pretty broad pretty dumb nerd jokes yeah, that didn't land for me he's got pimples and he can't talk and to his, a lady and he's summoning demons but also his mom's calling him for dinner wah, wah. oh and i guess that's right there is one other woman character his, his mom, mom yeah. who doesn't also have a line but the thing is i don't know she has a line it's come to dinner oh Eric. right you're right you're right well, maybe two or three lines along those yeah along those lines but the the thing is i don't completely hate the gimmick that he's horny like that's a that's specificity, at mm-hmm. least. Like, yeah, of Kinda. course. He, if, but at 13, if I had access to summoning demons mm-hmm. and I could have any wish I wanted, most of them would probably be seeing ladies naked related. Mm-hmm. I'm a little ashamed of that now. You should be. But, Feel shame. But when I was 13, that's... Look, I felt shame all the time when I was 13, <laughs> and I didn't know why. I guess what do that's you feel? Why. How is it different from now? Uh, well, now I write comedy, so that that's just implied that I yeah. feel shame. But no, I like I didn't even hate that as because it was relatively harmless, it was relatively innocent, it was written from a place of just let's make some dumb jokes. And nothing came of it. Yeah. Like No, the 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 bit was he wanted to meet the most beautiful woman mm-hmm. ever and in the grand tradition of jerk mm-hmm. genies in all of literature, mm-hmm. he ends up going to see the Discworld's version of uh Helen, uh, of, Helen Troy. of Troy. Yeah. And she, she got tired of waiting to get rescued and started having babies and she's still kind of a hot mom mm-hmm. but he's like oh she looks like my mom mm-hmm. like well, cuz yeah. they got there at the wrong time yeah and i don't know i think i thought that was it wasn't funny enough and because she's the only woman mm-hmm. it kind of sucks and but there, but as a gag it's not terrible there's a line that's a little racist where, oh well, yeah. Uh, there was, I wouldn't have caught that if you hadn't yeah, pointed it out, because oh, it's kind of so, coded racism, yeah, but it's, it's still it's racism. It's coded racism talking about a a word that I am not going to use because it is a racist. Fair. Um, but a certain type of woman, meaning not like a white lady. Well, you meant is, like Greek women, right? It's a whole thing. Okay. And so I thought because I mean she's supposed to be Mediterranean, yeah, right? So. But it's basically uh, like. Women who are not white are only hot until they're about 30 and then they're not anymore. And it's like, oh. And I wouldn't have read it that way because it's a word that could mean something else. And I was like, I I didn't realize that. Well, that's unfortunate. Oh, no, Sir Terry. There's there's not much. There's there's one other sort of problematic thing Mm -hmm. I would say in this, which is we spend a good chunk of time with. Are they supposed to be the Aztecs or the Incas? I always. This is me being a little bit sort of historically racist mm-hmm. in that I don't know the difference between the Aztecs, the Incas, and the Mayans. I believe it's supposed to be Aztec. Okay. Uh, because of the play on words of one of the gods. Oh, right. Which is like hexacodal, but yeah. it's like hexacodal or yeah. something. 
Uh, I, I, over, but, Kex Overkotel. Yes. Which, which is, is fine. Yeah, that, that's not bad. But, but uh, there's a couple of jokes in there. There's like a, okay. And the riff on them not in, uh, inventing the wheel, mm-hmm. inventing a circular disc with a hole in it, but mm-hmm. not using it to roll was funny, but also is like, oh, but that's a little sort of like Europeans coming in mm-hmm. and saying, oh, you didn't do it our way. You suck. But there was some there was some funny bits about um, they used the they used this wheel in every every way that mm-hmm. they possibly could. Like it was used in the society very but that's, wild. That's wildly. based on that's yeah. based on actual historical precedent yeah. because the real I think it's Aztecs mm-hmm. had flat round mm-hmm. things with a hole in the middle that they used for I don't know children's games or mm-hmm. something like that and like so I mean it's it's based yeah well you know, you know uh we here didn't use steam power like steam power and invented, yeah like the Greeks a, figured a it out a gazillion years yeah. in western culture before we use it for anything yeah. useful so yeah but again know, fuck off <laughs> going into someone else's culture and saying you did it wrong yeah that's the problematic yeah. part whereas if it's ours it's like well we were pretty stupid mm-hmm but on the other hand, these people are never like they never really lose their agency. Mm-hmm. They're pretty like, and a white savior doesn't come in and yes. tell them what to do. Which no, is, I was wait, I was waiting for it. Well, we get sort of the Discworld's version of Ponce de Leon, and mm-hmm. there's a pretty good joke about Ponce and what it means in British mm-hmm. slang, which I kind of like mm-hmm. because your name is what. Mm-hmm. But um, it's uh, like they're never sort of the the primitive natives mm-hmm. with the bones through their noses mm-hmm. hurling spears like we heard we saw there was a jungle and we're like oh uh, we both just went oh no uh, it was one of those moments where we were like we could just not do this but, book <laughs> but the the narration very specifically called out their accomplishments mm-hmm. and their like it was very clear this is just another culture and they've excelled here and they haven't excelled mm-hmm. here and I actually I really liked a lot of aspects of them. And mm-hmm. actually, I'm just going to go ahead and do my quote because yeah, it's quote. from this part. They, he wrote them as these sort of nihilists because mm-hmm. their god is a piece of shit, which we find out later mm-hmm. was a demon pretending to be a god just to mess with them. And like uh, there's poisonous snakes everywhere mm-hmm. and just their their lives are miserable. And so they basically. OK, here it is. The Tezumen are renowned on the continent for being the most suicidally gloomy, irritable, and pessimistic people you could ever hope to meet for reasons that may soon be made clear. It was true about the time measurement as well. Uh, There's a bit about, like, their calendar, like like the Mayan calendar. Uh, The Tezumen had realized long ago that everything was steadily getting worse, and having a terrible literal-mindedness had developed a complex system to keep track of how much worse each succeeding day was. That was so good and also made me a little sad because we kind of need that calendar in the now times. Mm -hmm. The apocalypse advent calendar? Uh... Yeah. But it was, like, it's a funny idea for a culture. Yes. There's a lot of... Those first two books in this, and those first two books felt a lot hitchhikery to mm-hmm. me, a lot, a lot like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And there's a lot of that in here as well. This whole book, I am not used to thinking. When I read a Terry Pratchett book, I'm not used to thinking, "Wow, I've seen this done better elsewhere." Though that's not something I normally think. But in, in this book, and I'm not even a huge Hitchhiker's fan. It's fine. It's funny, but it doesn't have mm, a lot of the depth. That other stuff. No, they're very like Douglas Adams was a very clever joke yes. writer, and he could write funny dialogue, but he didn't have a good sense of character. He had a horrible sense of plot, but he wrote very good jokes. And I think this book goes along with the first two and a few other very early ones. Mm-hmm. Is like 
you're, I mean, and he's standing on the shoulders of like Douglas Adams and Monty right. Python, and like th- there's a lot of good British comedy out there, and those are the well-known ones. There's other stuff too. And obviously. I don't know if Time Bandits came before or after uh, this. Time Bandits came way before this. It, uh, this was '82. There was some Time Bandits in here, and I'm not, again, I'm not even a huge well, Time they, Bandits fan. Uh, that was my absolute favorite movie as a kid. There's a bit where they meet the creator of the universe mm-hmm. at one point, and it's treated as just this sort of mundane. And I actually didn't hate that bit either. Yeah, where it's a workmanlike job, like where you come in and you you want to do you want to do a good job, you want to do it professional, but it's not special but they act like because in christian mythology and in so many other belief systems the the being who created everything is also the being you pray to Mm -hmm. and is also like is everything Mm -hmm. this is just a guy they hired to do the work yeah they're like shouldn't we revere you he's like what why no i would like i made some trees yeah but the person who hired me is really maybe the one you want Uh, maybe but i don't know i kind of like that and the end of Time Bandits, where we meet the Supreme mm-hmm. Being, and he's just this sort of old British dude in a suit, talking about how the the, um, the Time Bandits need to mm-hmm. go back to building trees. It's it, it felt a lot like that, and I don't know. There's it's a broad enough idea, just like the hitchhikery stuff is broad enough that it could just be coincidence. It but. could be, but it really felt like even if it was a coincidence and they had nothing to do with each other, it felt like oh well, this idea has been done better elsewhere, and I don't feel that way about. A ton of Terry Pratchett stuff. Uh, but again, in his very early stuff. Yeah. And we're on book nine now, so there's no excuse for this. And we just read Guards, Guards, which had the glimmers of brilliance yeah. we come to expect. Well, like I said, Weird Sisters really put mm-hmm. the first brick down and then Guards, Guards. Half brick. Yes, of course. Two half bricks. Two half bricks. I do not understand the half brick thing. Half brick. Don't understand what that means. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you had like... The foundation mm-hmm. was like Weird Sisters was the first, yep. like, okay, here's, he's really starting to think about people and, mm-hmm. and themes and, and importance. Yeah. But his whole humanism mm-hmm. thing, where he really kind of started taking root there. And then Guards Guards was building on that. It's like, ooh, where do we go next? We go way backwards. Because this book is, like, this is the worst one we've seen this in a while. very easily could have just been the third. But if this followed on yeah. after Light Fantastic, it would be like, okay, this is pretty much the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, after, like, s- like, six successive books, you know, it felt like he should know better by now. I know he does. And this is very disappointing. And it, uh, again, felt like this was a bunch of leftover notes. That he didn't fit into the other books. Well, it felt in very much felt like those first two books because of the sort of unrelated vignettes. Mm-hmm. The only common theme is that it's these characters running right. from place to place. But it felt like, okay, I want to do a thing about the Aztecs and I want to do a mm-hmm. thing about the um the Trojan War. Mm-hmm. And Again. Uh, yeah. They've already he's already done the Trojan horse and all that stuff. And <laughs> you were we were, you were actually reading L Space. Yeah, and, and they were a little snarky about it. Yeah, Hellspace said, uh, we don't really need to annotate this Trojan horse thing again, do we? Which was quite good. <laughs> a little mean. Yeah. Nice. Um, but, uh, and then um, there's one about meeting God, who is not really God, like we said, just, mm-hmm. a, just a contractor. Did I get it all? And then they end up in hell, and there's... There's some pretty good riffs. Like, it goes on forever, yep. and I don't like the main that's actually point of the my, joke. That's actually my bad thing. Well, I don't like the main point of that joke, yeah. which is your bad thing. So, we did, I didn't talk about it in the summary, but probably a third of the book is spent in hell. Mm-hmm. And in hell, um, the leader of hell, the king of hell, is now uh, like a middle manager type. 
and it's all about <sighs> how working in offices is bad and soulless and like aren't humans boring and terrible. you don't have to be cursed eternally to work here but it helps wah, and, wah. And coffee mugs and yeah it's just, and these jokes were tired when this book was yeah. written these jokes have never been fresh and usually they just smack of someone who had to work in an office mm-hmm. and now like doesn't get, have to. gets to write novels fantasy novels for a living and says hey fuck you office work i liked working in an office i work from home now but if i had to go back i like it okay i mean i it's not it, my favorite thing in the world. I but mean, if I as didn't jobs have, go, if I didn't have to work, of that course. would be better. If I had a career podcasting or writing or whatever, yeah. of course it would be better. But it would be better not to have to work. But if but one must work, working which in an office is infinitely better than working retail or mm-hmm. food service. I've or done some manual labor manual jobs, labor, and I have nothing but the utmost respect for people who do those jobs. I find them incredibly unpleasant, which is why I respect you for doing them. And they're harder. They're much harder. That's what. <laughs> I'm saying offices are cushy. Yep. Like I felt very lucky to work in an office because many of my contemporaries were not so lucky. Mm-hmm. And there are jokes to be made about office culture that can be funny. Yeah, but transposing like jokes about lame middle management, mm-hmm. like the office jokes, which thankfully that was a more character-driven show, and the jokes weren't. Shut up! Offices. I'm a lame middle ma- middle manager. Get off my back! Yeah, I'm just doing my best. Transposing that with hell, like unless you got something really interesting to say, has mm-hmm. been done to death. Mm-hmm. But there were some specific. Mm-hmm. What to get back to what I was saying? Some specific things outside of that, because there's a lot of material to draw from, mm-hmm. and there's there were some interesting things. You really liked when. Uh, well, Rincewind's talking about uh, how they can get out of hell because mm-hmm. they don't want to be there. Of course. And it's uh, hell. so Eric's telling him the story of Orpheus and Euripides. Mm-hmm. And, or whatever the Discworld equivalent yeah. is. Yeah. And uh, uh, Rincewind's like, I would be great at that because mm-hmm. the first rule when you're running is you never look back. Yes. Even if there's noises, I wouldn't look back. No. I would just run. Why would you look back? Yeah. <laughs> That's not what I do. That and that was, was funny. That was one of the highlights of the book for me because it had such a clear grasp on Rincewind's character and the benefits of Rincewind's character. It's it's a good character joke mm-hmm. and it's a good reference yep. joke. And like, we're in both. hell and yeah. yeah, it was pretty And that's good. what I'm saying. There were there were some okay reference like as they're leaving, mm-hmm. they're looking at stones that say things like I did it for the children mm-hmm. and I thought you'd like it, mm-hmm. which it's paved with good intentions. I thought that was that a was funny little funny. bit. Because yep. it didn't go on forever, first of all. It was just a passing reference. Yep. And there's a lot of little bits like that. The little bits about like the, the guy getting his uh, liver poked pecked out by a, a bird and stuff like that. Like, and you know. There's there was this one had some funny jokes. Yeah. Like there were some bits that were term interminably unfunny. Oh god, they were. But there were some funny like there was um they sneak into hell. They get into hell because um, the demon who's guarding the gate to hell isn't watching closely enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had a call of super nature, which I thought was that, that was, was very good. Yeah. No, that was that was okay. And there were some other things like that. But like the death's continued grudge against Rincewind. That's very good. It's quite funny. Like several times, like the demons are like, uh, we're we're looking for someone who escaped. And so, well, no demons have escaped. Yeah. And oh, you, are you we're, oh, we're looking for Rincewind. And Death just goes, that guy. And his eyes glow red in a yeah. moment of anger because Death never never gets angry about yeah, anything. Why would he? And he gets the uh, the wizards call him mm-hmm. in the right of Ashkente, mm-hmm. uh, and they are like they they haven't even asked him the question, and he's just like it's it's Rincewind. It's Rincewind it's, again. It's, it's yeah. It's always Rincewind. 
And we had a whole bit with the wizards at the beginning that just reminds me of some tedious... I can't hold this against mm -hmm. this book, but I find the wizards pretty tedious, mm -hmm. and going forward, there will be two two characters yep. <laughs> with actual names. Mm -hmm. Like I think that's part of what bothers me so much is most of the wizards' characters, and it starts here, don't even have names. They're just referred to by their positions. And that wouldn't bother me if they then had characters, but they don't really. I mean, it's the verser is kind they, of one way. And they're they're the, you know, made whatever, to be but, just like a, a crowd of guys. Yeah, but you have, like, eventually we'll have one arch-chancellor mm -hmm. that stays the arch-chancellor for the rest of the series, and we'll have one young wizard who kind of sasses back to him a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Everyone else doesn't have a name. We get later on a necromancer who I like I like a fair mm, bit. But he's barely... He's not in it much. No. Um, which I, I enjoyed him. But this, the, the whole first chunk of the book just reminded me later on it's all going to be like this. It's all just going to be a bunch of old men and, <laughs> a, bunch of, and a bunch of jokes about being at university that I don't understand because yep. I didn't go to university in, in England. And I just I you found just it a need what tedious. you need to do is read a couple of biographies. What I need and... to do is have gone to Cambridge. Yes, no, just read a couple of biographies because they all start exactly the same. The things I read quite a few biographies of comedians that I like, and they all inevitably went to Cambridge or Oxford mm -hmm. because that's how they do over there. Mm -hmm. Like all the Pythons and Mitchell and Webb and Fry and Laurie, mm -hmm. all those guys. But. I still don't really get the particulars of the, the weird little university things that are probably specifically funny to people. So I found that kind of boring. Mm -hmm. uh, we got the the um, the librarian again, which was nice. And um, we're continuing the story of Rincewind being the librarian's assistant. And the librarian actually kind of likes Rincewind. Mm -hmm. He likes having him around. Yeah. Um, and... There's like a little kinship because Rincewind wanting to run away all the time kind of reminds this orangutan of, Mm -hmm. You know, the jungle. And he's a good measuring rod for when things are going bad. So mm -hmm. the, the librarian likes having that around. And Rincewind loves working in the library. Yeah, because it's the it's, safest place to be. Yep, and it's samey. And every day he says he just reads the titles of books of far off lands that he never has to see. And then and in this book, he had good, to go there that again. That was such a good turn of phrase. The places he never has to see. Yeah. Oh, so good. No, there were there were little bits, mm -hmm. but there were there were really no characters in no. this. Like Rincewind is still Rincewind and there's nothing new. Eric is just a cardboard cutout mm -hmm. of a teen nerd. And he's not in it very much. No, he's not for being the title character. Yeah. And the joke on the original book cover mm -hmm. was that it said Faust and Faust was crossed out and Eric was mm -hmm. written. And Eric, I guess, is one of those sort of like sort of nebbishy names mm -hmm. for a, a British boy. So mm -hmm. it's supposed to be extra funny that the name is Eric. But here it's just a name. So that joke doesn't even work for me. Summoning Rincewind from the demon dimensions or the dungeon dimensions was actually, that was pretty funny. It was funny and it was a good problem solving. Like, okay, this was the main character of like three of my books. If I ever want to use him again, I got to get him out of hell. So I got to write a story about that. And that's not a bad start, but it didn't, nothing happened. There's a parrot that he has that is oh, super irritating. Oh, no, I hate the parrot. And he just sits around. He doesn't have a very big vocabulary is the entire joke. Mm -hmm. So every word is was name, which I think is a funny thing to say. Mm -hmm. And it's funny when Nanny Og says it, mm -hmm. but it is super tedious here. And it's used a lot. Yeah. And then they get rid of the parrot, and I'm so excited. And then the parrot comes back. Yeah, at the end when they're in hell, all the characters from throughout the mm -hmm. book show up because everyone ends up in hell. Mm -hmm. Um. 
we we do like we do with all of these we did the audiobook mm-hmm. and it's weird because Stephen Briggs who will end up narrating like the the, the second half of these mm-hmm. books starting around book 19 or 20ish um I don't remember right off the top of my head but I know around it's, the middle somewhere yeah it's somewhere around Jingo I think mm-hmm. is is his first one it's a watch book because mm-hmm. I remember the very jarring. beginning it was very jarring because the the voice he did for Colin is very different mm-hmm. than the than Nigel Planer it's fine it's just different but this he was not a good like i don't know why he did this one and he's like this highlights all the things he does worst his ooks are terrible yeah his his be like uh, Nigel Planer it took him a couple books to get there yeah. but he really made that orangutan like it's just ook, mm-hmm. but he makes it expressive and he makes it sell all the different things it's meant to mean. This guy just sort of goes, ook. Yeah. And his death is just sort of like this. I'm death. And and Nigel, Nigel Planer does him like this. And it's so much better. Mm-hmm. Like they dropped the, um, the reverb on him, mm-hmm. but it's still a very, like it's a very booming voice. And doing this just sort of sounds like he's lurking in the corner somewhere and it's like are you and he's quite good he's a good narrator and there are some characters where i prefer his version i think his vimes is way better yeah for instance Mm -hmm. and there's several others like that i think i prefer some of his witches as well Mm mm-hmm I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, we'll find yeah, out. Yeah, I don't I, remember I prefer entirely. Celia Emery's over everyone. Well, yeah, Celia yeah. Emery is the best. But she's gone she's now. She's gone now. We have to let her go. But the thing is, it was it was just a weird, because now we're going to go back to Nigel Planer for like yeah. 10 more books. And it's like, he's so, like, this is all the things Stephen Briggs doesn't do very mm-hmm. well. Why highlight them in a short Seems book? mean. And then just go back to the other guy for a while. This is our personal preference, mm-hmm. though. Also, there is an illustrated book yes. uh, version of this book. Uh, we shout got out it to, from the internet. Shout out to Brian for making us aware of this. We were not aware that there was an illustrated version mm-hmm. uh, by Josh Kirby, who used to be the official uh, cover artist. Mm-hmm. I think he died, and then he was replaced with a guy with almost exactly the same name. It went from Kirby to Kidby, which is a little confusing. Not um, for me. But I do not care. This art style is very divisive, mm-hmm. is the one thing I've learned from the handful of Discworld fans that I've talked to. I do not like it at all. You I, seem to have a fondness for it. I, I bet like it's because it. you're a fantasy fan and it's, yeah. it evokes a lot of other fantasy stuff. I like the way... I don't love a lot of how the characters look and Rintwind is old, which I hate when Rintwind's old. He's not old. He's oh. like 30 or 40. Yeah. He's, he's supposed he's, to be the guy who stuck around college just a little too long. He just has started to realize what a failure he yeah. is. He that can't be in his sixties or seventies. No. Can't story no. doesn't. Oh, it drives me nuts. Yep. But uh, so some of his character design I don't care for, but I love his buildings. And there's a one picture Ooh. of uh, the great Atuan with the disc uh, and mm-hmm. the elephants on his back that or her back rather that I really really like. And I like a lot of his cities, and it's just the characters I don't like. I have a hard time making out what's what. Mm-hmm. Like, everything's sort of an indistinct pile. Yeah, I like the pile. I mean, you know me. You like pile I'm, style. I'm a pile manager. That's true. <laughs> I do not care for it, but again, uh, I his know- His death is terrible. His death looks like there's a there's a version of Mario in Mario <laughs> Maker for the, for the Wii U. Uh, by the time you hear this, actually, Mario Maker will be out for the Switch. But um, that's your so that's your new life. Yeah. Oh, it, it will be. Actually, that's a that's a perfect game for listening to audiobooks on mm-hmm. to bring it back to the show because like it's just sort of mindless Marioing while I have something else going. Um, I've read a lot of Discworld playing Mario, 
but um, there's a there's a version that we call Janky Mario. Mm-hmm. I think that he has official name. I don't know what it is, but you it's eat like a weird long, looking mushroom. Long, tall and, Mario yeah. or something. And, and uh, uh, Josh Kirby's version of death looks like his skeleton. It's like, Bleh. it's a me, Mario. Yeah. But again, uh, our friend JR, for mm-hmm. instance, loves this mm-hmm. art. He told me this. And I know there are other people out there who really do as well. And it's okay. Like, all right, if that's your your jam, it's it is not mine. Very stylized. It is. Like, if you don't like it, I can like I can see why one wouldn't like it because it, it's it's very much the thing that it is. Also, he's very literal. Uh, I don't like that. The uh, the luggage has instead of hundreds of tiny little legs. This is apparently a very divisive thing too. I found out talking about it this. It is a bunch of little millipede legs. That grosses some people out. It's a bunch of millipede legs. That grosses some yeah, people out. Yeah, well, live with it. A uh, uh, old friend of mine said, "I don't really like the tiny baby feet, but I would rather that than millipede legs." And good point, well made. Live with it. <laughs> I don't but the thing is, it the the description Definitely has some latitude. It does. And, but the phrase is hundreds of tiny little mm-hmm. legs. These are not tiny. They're proportioned to the people about the size of baby they look legs. Like, yeah, they look, they look like fat little cherub legs. And there are not hundreds because they're so big. There's yeah. like two dozen maybe. Yeah. So they're not hundreds of tiny legs. They're not hundreds and they're not tiny. Would it make people feel better if they were toes? I mean, I'm not grossed out by any of that, but apparently some people are. Sweaty toes. Uh-huh. But then there's, uh, and not in this book because mm-hmm. the character doesn't appear there, but Two Flower is described because in the early books, he comes from a place where they've invented a bunch of stuff that they haven't invented in Ankh-Morpork mm-hmm. yet. He's wearing spectacles, which no one knows what they are. So they describe him as having four eyes. And Josh Kirby just draws him with four eyes. Mm-hmm. What? I do not like that. I do not like also, it. Also, he super, super sexualizes all the women. Yes. Which doesn't... Not a problem in this book. No, uh, there, th- he still manages. There's there some, aren't any women. They, Who did he draw? He put some in. <laughs> he just put in some randos to have their butts hanging out. Yeah, but there's a, there's a couple... Um, there's a couple of characters that are very explicitly described mm-hmm. as not wearing... Mm-hmm tiny little skimpy chainmail mm-hmm. b- bikinis and that's how he draws them anyway yep. so he's not always literal sometimes he just wants to draw boobs mm-hmm. so there's that and i i have a soft spot in my heart for heavy metal art sure. and it's exploitative and there's a lot of like twisted around butts and things but i still kind of like it I, there is a place for that kind of art i'm yeah. not gonna say that but I don't think this book series is that. There's a lot of sly sex jokes. There's not a lot of overt sex. They're not sexy books. There's sometimes a little, you know yeah. what's going on here, which I love. I love when he's when he puts up. I almost said I almost love when he slips that in. <laughs> but there's I mean every book has at least one. And if we weren't nine episodes deep into this podcast, I'd suggest we start pulling out the double entendre of the of the book because there is at least one good one in every book. But is a little late to pull start. Out the double entendre. Yeah, we're gonna whip out that every time. <laughs> but there is, and I, I enjoy that. I real, I genuinely enjoy his. But that because the thing is, they feel like they'd still be good for kids yep. for the most part, and they're not gonna get that, or they're gonna. I, I'm sure you were the same mm-hmm. way when you were reading stuff that was intended for an older audience when you were, I don't know, ten, mm-hmm. and you knew there was something there, but you weren't sexual enough yet. And you also didn't want to ask anybody. Oh God, no. You knew. Not to ask. And 
you slowly cobble a, mm-hmm. a weird half understanding of what sex mm-hmm. is based on all these passing references and then you find out what things actually are and you're like wow that was way off i read a lot of science fiction yes so... same <laughs> i didn't read any fantasy was, but i read a lot of sci-fi there was a bit of a bridge yeah. required yeah but fortunately i lived in canada so i had sex education so it was explained to me very clearly uh, we had sex education where i lived too there's there's a spotty sex education in this country but i i was well educated there but uh, you know, I there was definitely some things where I was like, "Oh, oh, okay, that's what that means." I oh, get it I now. get it now. Yeah, yeah. Um. Also, you mentioned this for an illustrated book, and I know you didn't like it, so it didn't really matter that much. But for an illustrated book, there's not a lot of art in this. There is another illustrated book, The Last Hero. I actually out. really like The Last Hero. It's a different artist, and yeah. I like the art. We'll we'll get to it. It'll it's definitely covered. Mm-hmm. under what we're doing but we'll my point have is to put out a little mini sode like this th- it'll be it. like this it'll yeah. it'll go alongside another one but um that has a picture on every page mm-hmm. and some text mm-hmm. this has like six or seven no this has an illustration maybe every five or six pages like and sometimes it's a tiny one and there's a couple of double page spreads a but lot it's not of the tiny ones are a, a an element taken from the big one like there's a frog that ah, was in a previous I one so it's that. like so it's not even hey, an original cheater drawing. cheater yeah I mean, it is an illustrated book, but it's not like Last Hero was clearly written as a collaboration yeah. between Terry Pratchett and the artist. This was the artist coming in after the fact and mm-hmm. drawing a handful of the scenes, which I okay, I don't care. It was cool though. Like I was neat to like if you yeah. if you are a fan of the art, it's yeah. totally worth checking out. The book sucks, but uh... I, I it's not a very well put together book. Yeah. I will say if you live in the US, um Amazon has it, but uh it ships from the UK, so it'll take a little while to get to you. Yeah, we were a little worried it wasn't going to get here in time. Yeah. Um and there is no digital version of it unfortunately. I don't understand why. That's so dumb. Pictures just scan, you can just make Put them in. Just make a digital version. But whatever. Um, do you have other things to say about this book? Um, oh, I want to talk about my good thing. Of course. Um, the At the beginning, when we were at the Wizards, mm-hmm. uh, they spend some time talking about uh, the Wizards almost destroying the world. In <laughs> the sorcery. events of sorcery, yes. Yeah. And they talk about how all of the senior Wizards were on vacation or visiting their aunt and they mm-hmm. they weren't here when that happened so they don't know also rincewind he should have been there should have been a hero for him okay a hero statue for him mm-hmm. okay maybe not maybe a plaque okay well maybe an honorable mention you know what we should censure him for wearing bad robes uh-huh. like it was just the, the no and it's a good to, yeah it's a good like when you're writing and you have okay the story has to mm-hmm. handle that like you have a list of things you have to get through logistically mm-hmm. If we're coming back to the university, we're going to have to deal with that big life-changing thing that happened last time. And it's a great way to sort of, it's not a retcon, mm-hmm. but it's these guys sort of internally retconning. That's not what happened. I I wasn't I wasn't there. And there's a line, something to the effect of, if you took a, like, a, a survey of all of them, yep. no one was there. No one was there. <laughs> like There were literally no wizards there when it happened. And he talks about uh, people being on the wrong side of history. You know, the losing side. Yeah. It was and, very good. And it's a good way to move forward as though it didn't happen because they all pretend it didn't happen, mm-hmm. which I quite liked. Uh, my good thing yes. was actually in the um, the Trojan War section. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some, there's some okay jokes in there. You talk about stuff that had been done earlier and better. 
there were things in there from the carry-on films mm -hmm. that I thought were done better. The carry-on films based on this were pretty fun. I mean, we've talked about these before. Yeah. They are very broad. They're sort of like the British version of like Mel Brooks. They're mm -hmm. very pun heavy, a lot of sex jokes, mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, just like uh, falling down. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, they're very, super broad, but the best ones were still pretty funny. And yeah, a lot of this had that similar mm -hmm. vibe. The one character that actually stood out for me, though, was called Laviolus, and that's a, a dog Latin. Dog Latin, I guess, is what they call that sort of fake-ass Latin mm -hmm. that Terry Pratchett likes to use to make a bad pun, mm -hmm. which, okay, that's not a bad thing to call it. Uh, version of Rincewind, basically. Mm -hmm. He's implied to be his ancestor. Mm -hmm. But you said he had a very Vimes-like quality, which I can totally see. He's The cynicism. He's cynical, but not a nihilist. Mm -hmm. And he's pragmatic as hell. Mm -hmm. He's a general who would love to win a war without firing a shot. He yeah. doesn't want to hurt anyone. He just wants to win. But he understands that if you're going to fight a war... You might have to hurt someone. Yeah. But, his, but that's it's not his, his preference yeah. not to hurt anyone. And he's very sensible. Like, mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a nice spin on the hero type mm -hmm. because... This is a guy I might actually, like, I mean, I'm a pacifist, I wouldn't, but he's a guy I could see following into battle in some capacity. Later on in the series, there's a character called Tacticus, which mm, is... Uh, kind of the same thing again, yeah. Yeah, the same, so, but, but again, done with a little more... Well, he's more... based on, like, a real Roman general or yeah, something, right? Um, Whereas this guy's based on... tactics. Right. Um, Whereas this guy's based on Odysseus from the yeah. Odyssey and a couple other little things. But Vimes gets really into Tacticus. Right. And... Like Tony Soprano yeah. getting into Sun Tzu. Yeah. yeah. And it's uh, because he likes the pragmatism. Yeah. No, there's there's a lot of that here. And there's a lot of like, like what they what the whole point of their Trojan horse thing really mm -hmm. was to do was distract them so they could sneak in the back. Mm -hmm. Like, and there's just a lot of sensible, like, okay, well, then what's the best way to do this? Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know. Like, I enjoyed that character, and it's a glimmer of, oh, yeah, this right, this guy can write amazing characters if he wanted to, if he showed up. Nope, not this time. Yeah, but I liked I liked those bits. I didn't like most of the, the Trojan War stuff, because we already covered that in Pyramids. They yep. went to ancient Greece there with the philosophers, and we already talked about the horse, and, like, are we doing this again already? And there wasn't really any new jokes. It wasn't no, in like fact, you thought about it, and... But in Pyramids, we even said... We've seen this in other places before this, yeah. like chronologically written before this. Like this was stale the first time he got mm -hmm. to it and he did it again. Also, I don't care about this kind of thing, but the timeline, like our pyramids, when he was in the city, seemed like it was happening around now. But this happened in ancient happen history. The yeah, they're bouncing yeah. around through history. So I don't know. The... The timeline in the early books versus the later books doesn't really make a ton of sense. And he actually does uh, some stuff yeah. to clean it up. He basically does his crisis on yeah. infinite earths to say, okay, here's... here's it's some... just because he didn't know. Yeah. No, um, and I don't care. I'm not yeah. one of those people who will say, just, well, it's ruined. It's just Jeremy Barrami. Don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, What else? Um, gonna well, do the... Well, the... Going, going back to the, uh, the, the, the sex jokes, mm -hmm. yours, your quote, actually is kind of a sex joke. It's pretty good. Yeah, I, um, I was going to choose it, but you got to it I first. got to it first because there was not a ton of memorable quotes no, in this. No, there wasn't. <laughs> so here's my quote. In the sub-basements of the Unseen University Library, the one where they kept the um, <clears throat> erotic books, just erotic, nothing kinky. It's the difference between using a feather and the whole chicken. Yeah. It was very good. It may, actually, like, I, that was one of those like actual laugh moments. Yep, yep. I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So okay, what did what did you think for the um the pune or play on words? We were talking about that, and it was the um the name of the uh, god in um the Tezeman culture. Oh, Kexovercotal. Yeah, and it meant the oh no, fe- no oh right 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 it meant the feathered boa. Mm-hmm. Because, like, if you've seen pictures of, like, uh, Kuklacon or whatever it is, like, I'm saying that wrong. I'm saying it like the Star Trek animated that's series episodes. Right. That's not right. That's not right. No, I know. Kukukon. That's how Shatner said it. No, no. Definitely Kukukon. No, it's not that. Don't tell me how to say it. It's sick Oh, me. don't do it. No, but there is, there is like, an Aztec god yeah. that is a feathered boa. And that was because he's a, a snake with feathers on him. Mm-hmm. Cool looking. That's, that's all right, I guess. Uh, for the cliche count, because it was such a short book, actually not that many. There was no gingerlies. I know. What the fuck? Yeah, I know. No gingerlies, no saturations, no something happening to other people. There were three quantums mm-hmm. when the creator of the universe was talking about And we were bouncing around through time and yeah. stuff. But he was talking specifically about, well, yeah, I designed this universe, but there's a million branching possibilities. I can't design all the mm-hmm. universes. Um, and then surreptitious, there were two. So it is barely even like... It was you know, a short book. No. If I'm if I'm in court like mm-hmm. prosecuting Terry Pratchett for the overuse of, of phrases, this book should not enter into evidence. No. It's not it barely counts. Uh barely any, a book. Yeah, well, yeah. Barely a podcast. Yeah. Any any final thoughts or you want to just roll into your grade? Uh I think that was a pretty much it. Okay. What do you give it? Uh I gave it a D plus yeah. because it was slightly better than sorcery it was funnier than sorcery and it was shorter than sorcery i actually gave it a d i might even say d minus mm-hmm. not because it was worse than those books but because he should know better by now that's true. i'm one of those teachers who sees your paper and knows you can write an a paper and since you wrote a c paper you get a d because like you're you, not angry you're disappointed yeah you you're docked an extra letter grade for not trying mm-hmm. like come on you know better you're good enough now like, yeah, it took you a little while to get good, like every author, but you're you're up. Guards, guards was so good. Guards, guards was so good. And coming up, we have some of the best things he did. I'm so excited. There's some books that are going Which to be. Which is Abroad is one of your favorite ones. It's going to be a genuine pleasure to read. Yeah. We got to get through the next one, which we don't remember loving. Ugh. And then I remember a... some things about it, though, which yeah. is it turns out remembering nothing is the worst sign. That's true. Um. But after that, as I as I don't have the list in mm-hmm. front of me, but there's a stretch of five or six books in a row that we're very excited to and read. And then we're back to motherfucking Rincewind. He won't be back till book 17. Yeah. Like, Interesting Times doesn't happen But until... I think that's what breaks the streak. Mm, soul music for me, but we'll get there. I like soul music, all right. You like, you like Susan. I love Susan. Yeah, well, she doesn't do anything. We'll talk about that when we yeah. get there. Anyway, as we said this month, um, you will be getting two because this was so short. La di da. So, uh, uh, dropping uh, concurrently with this one, we will also be reviewing moving pictures. And like I say, we haven't started it as of this recording, but a prediction is we're probably not going to like it because we don't remember liking it. And if you are one of our handsome patrons, oh, you'll get it in two weeks. You're going to get it soon. Yeah, we've been we've been dropping these. <laughs> we we recorded guards guards Monday night. It mm-hmm. is Wednesday night. We get real so... excited about projects. Yeah, well, particularly this, because we both love these books so much. We love this author so much. I like doing things. Yeah, but I like this, you know, I like reading these books. Yeah, honestly, I we were waiting to, to read this one together, mm-hmm. and I was, like, getting a little antsy. I'm like, gotta 
get back up, get back mm-hmm. into reading these books well, now. We, we got it's the... been two or three days since I read any books. Well, we'll then get right on moving pictures then. Oh. I'll give you my copy of the audiobook and you can get started right away. Oh. <laughs> or we could watch Into the Spider-Verse again. <laughs> yeah, maybe that. All right, that's all for this time. This has been a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Amanda Smith for Algar Productions and Giant Black Albatross, copyright 2019. For our full archives, RSS feed, and more details about us, visit thedeathofpodcast.com. And for access to our show notes, bonus photos, and the aforementioned advanced copies of episodes, and even the opportunity to pick something for us to review, consider a donation at patreon.com slash algar. That's A-A-L-G-A-R. Thanks for listening. 